0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back, or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy and the host of this podcast. I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up level with ease. I've got an amazing conversation for you again this week. But first, first I have thoughts to share with you. I just got back from swimming in a pool. That meant no wetsuit, and it felt amazing. I felt so tall, connected with my body. I felt expansive. And you know what I realized? Well, I already kind of had figured out that my wetsuit didn't fit me properly. But it was supposed to fit me. You know? This according to the size chart, it should fit, according to normal human standards. It should fit. It looks like it fits pretty well, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's too. I have an exceptionally long torso, and it, the wetsuit just isn't made for that. Maybe no wetsuit is made for that. Maybe nothing is made for that. That is that is something I am experiencing in my life. But you know what? I would stuff my shoulders into it and swim, and I never experienced the speed boost that other people experienced when they swam in a wetsuit. But still, I tried it. You know, I wanted to be warm. I wanted to be comfortable. But I felt like I was trying to cram my almost six foot body into like a 5'7 case and it doesn't work. And I'm sharing this with you all because, because it felt so good to be swimming with a without a wetsuit, just in a bathing suit. It felt so me. It felt so aligned. It felt so expansive. And humans, we are allowed to feel expansive all the time. How many times are we stuffing ourselves into something that doesn't fit us? There are so many different levels of this. There's the obvious trying to fit you know, round peg, square hole. We know that doesn't fit. We're aware that we're doing it in some instances, but where is it sneaking up on you? Where are you tolerating something that's just not a perfect fit? Because you, every single one of you is worthy of the perfect fit. Of feeling, even when you are contained in something and having that container, allow you to expand and express yourself and reach out and be your best self. So check in with yourself. Where are you trying to fit into something that's not for you? Now onto to this week's conversation with Gareth Martin, who is a transformational coach and the co-host of the Ridiculously Human podcast, which is so good. I was on the podcast on episode 93. I'd love it if you guys would go listen to it, listen to the episode with me, but then also listen to this podcast because it's really good. And Gareth and Craig are amazing and you'll get Craig in a later episode, but today it is Gareth who spent years in banking and then became a transformational coach and along the way became a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher, a bodybuilder, and trained as a chef. He's got lots of stories. We talk a teeny bit about South Africa. I just came to love the realness, the groundedness, the power, and the truth that is Gareth. And I hope you all enjoy it too. Go forth and be awesome. because the other thing I want to ask you about South Africa is black mambos. Okay, yeah. How often did you see those?
1: Uh, not often at all, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they, they, they're they actually uh, very shy snakes. And um, yeah, you don't really see them that much. Um, you, although, like, you do see lots of snakes still. Um, but yeah, we didn't really see many black mambos, to be honest with you. Although a, a school teacher of mine, um, when I was in primary school, He used to have like, he was the biology teacher and he used to have like tons of animals like in the, in his lab. And he had this Python and I'm not joking. The thing must've been like, I'm I'm not kidding if I was like six meters long and, um, yeah. And he used to bring this Python out. Like you could see it. He'd, he'd, He'd put it out in like the big quadrangles in the school and like in this bag. And then you'd go and you'd be able to see this Python and Wow, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty scary. You know what I mean? The thing would like swallow you because we were we were real youngsters. Um, but uh, but it was so cool actually having having that as a kid. Um, I remember we used to queue up at break time outside his class, and then he used to have hamsters and rats and everything. And you and it was like this form that you could fill in to take these little animals out for the whole break time. And there was always like like way too many kids for the amount of animals there were, so everyone would like run to there, to, you know, break time to see if they could get them. And and uh, it's like rats are such cute little things, but people don't think, you know, you get you, they're different types of rats. They're more like pet rats, I think. But uh, it's uh, and they're they're really loving animals and like uh, caring and smart and these sort of things and. I've been trying to convince my girlfriend to get a rat, but she, she won't allow me one mm-hmm. <laughs> at home. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: I know a lot of people who, people have had good experience with having pet rats.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncle used to have pet rats and I used to, I used to love going over there and he would, he would like get out the rats and like after work and he'd be like, cool, here yeah, you go and you could play with the rat for hours and it would, it would go in your like shirt And then it would like run around your shirt if you tucked your shirt in or your jersey, whatever. (laughs) And it was so cool. It was like, yeah, just a a nice little loving, smart little creature.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Okay. So let's let's dig into, I just want to know more about you, Gareth. Like your story, your path is really interesting. Even though we've discovered that you're most likely a generator, you've changed your your career path has been bouncy like you've done so many different things that don't look connected like immediately but maybe they are
1: for sure so i think i think bouncy it might look bouncy but it's actually not like that because a lot of these things have happened more recently um so i i worked as an investment banker for almost 20 years for about 18 years and um, that was, that was the majority of my career. I actually came to London as an 18 year old and, um, came here with no degree or anything like that. I was just coming on like a gap year and I ended up staying and I've still basically been here the whole time. Um, and I got into investment banking, not cause I, I wanted to, but just because I've always like loved maths. And I said to my, this lady at this career fair, I was like, Oh, I love maths and, and I want to get into banking. And, but I had no idea what it was. She's like, cool. no worries." And I got, into, I got into investment banking and I started doing the filing. And I was, I was a filer basically for two years, to be honest with you. Like, but I, I, was like, I was pumped. I was like, cool, I'm working in the city and like, you know, I'm having to wear, wear a smart shirt to work. And that was pretty cool. <laughs> and then that ended up being my career for like 18 years. But to be honest with you, the whole time, I, kind of knew, I always knew it really wasn't for me. Um, I was always massively interested in sports. My whole life had been about sport, to be honest with you and, and team sports and individual sports and just the whole collaboration and, and idea around team sports and people just like I loved that and um, I think about six years or so into my six years I had six years I, I, sorry twelve years into my banking career um, i like I did a personal training course because I was like, this is going to be what I want to do and um, then it took me another six years to eventually leave. Um, and when I left, I thought I was going to be like this boutique high end kind of personal trainer type of guy. And that's why when I left, I went and I studied all these other things. So I became a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher and a chef. And, um, and then, and then actually the, the, the final thing which happened is I studied to be an executive coach and not that that was fitness related, but I did it because I, there's an art and a science to coaching. And I realized that, and I wanted to bring that into like the health side of things. And um, so that's why I did that course. But actually as a result of doing the executive coaching course, I realized actually this is what I want to do. I want to coach people more on the business career side of things and then add a touch of life coaching to that too, because, because of everything, I guess I'd kind of done um, as a result of all those other things. So so that's kind of like why the last few years is kind of there's been all these other things that I've tried because I just wanted to basically upskill myself.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're collecting skills.
1: Yeah. 100%. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, I think, you know what, we, we have so much opportunity in this world, like to try new things, to explore, to experiment and then to just find out who we are and what we love and you've got to do these things, you know what I mean? To actually find out what it is that you want to do in life and what your purpose is. Um, that's my thoughts on it. At least, you know, just try everything, try as much as you can until something kind of sticks if you have that opportunity to do it. And, um, so that's helped me.
0: Yeah. As soon as we like, as soon as we try something on, we know pretty quickly if it's a no, but then when we try it a little bit, maybe, maybe there's one thing we're supposed to learn from it. Mm. And we collect that and then we move on.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like I think everything you do, there's some lesson from doing it. And it might not be forever, you know what I mean? That, uh, that you're gonna do that, but you're gonna learn something which is gonna help you and who knows why. Maybe it's preparing you for something in the future. Um, maybe it's just to teach you a lesson at that point in time. Um, but uh, but everything is kind of coming into your life for for whatever reason uh, to help you out on your journey.
0: Yeah. So, what part? Let's start with investment banking. What lessons did you learn from that, or skills or experiences that you're still using today?
1: Uh, I learned so much. To be honest with you, like I look back on it fondly. Um, I learned so much about people. Um, so the industry is very um, it's, I wouldn't want to say aggressive, but in some instances it is. So you have people that are like really on edge, you know, it's very, of course it's very money orientated, you know, and everyone's like more, more, more money, you know, selling, blah, blah, blah. So you learn a lot about people. If you're aware, if if you are aware of that, I was always constantly aware like of people and how they behaved and these sort of things. That's why I took a lot in from understanding people and just watched how they operated. So, um, it allowed me to learn how to deal with all these different personality types and understand that there are so many different personality types and um, you really need to kind of be flexible in your approach to each person and uh, te- uh, treat them all differently. Um, and uh, so so I learned a lot about that, especially how to deal with high pressure situations, high pressure people, um, also how to manage people and um, deal with people from different cultures because you know, I worked and I managed a team that was global. So you have people from everywhere and you just, you have to tune in to, you know, to people's cultures and ways of being to, uh, to have the most successful team possible um, so that they feel like they're part of it and, and these sort of things. So yeah, definitely people was a huge one. Um, I learned so much about uh, organization. I mean, it's it's weird. You don't think about it at the time, but like in terms of, um, yeah, just, just putting like, you know, procedures together, um, to run a business like I'm doing now. So it's just like, I mean, I think I'm like a real, uh, sort of, uh, Nazi when it comes to everything I do because it, but it really helps, you know, I think being disciplined and organized really helps in business right? for me personally, at least. Um, so there was so much of that that's also really helped me. Um, and also actually I learned a lot about, um, uh, like just the economy, to be honest with you, and and like how it actually operates, and um, you know what that what you see in the news is is definitely not what's always happening. Um, so I feel fortunate that it that I've I understand the economy really really well, um, and it's like allowed me to prepare for certain things um in my own life uh, from a financial perspective.
0: When you first came to London, like take yourself back to that eighteen-year-old kid. If you were to tell him now that you're a transformational coach. And you've got this kick-ass podcast. What would he say?
1: I think he would say, "No ways, that's not going to happen." Like, uh, because when I came over, I was actually only going to be here for one year, and I had uh, signed up to be a physio to train physiotherapy. And I was always interested in like that side of things, and I also always wanted to kind of be a doctor, although I never really had the marks for that. Um, so I would have thought I would have been like a physiotherapist for like one of the national sports teams or something like that. And, um, yeah, what I do now, um, no, looking back then, I definitely don't think that's that this is what I would have said I would be doing. But, um, but, uh, but then at the same time, I was kind of like open to whatever, um, whatever happened, whatever the world had to throw at me. That was cool as well.
0: Yeah. I, um, okay. Okay. Now I really want to know, so you've got, we share this, this, we both come from athletic backgrounds and what, how do I want to ask this? I want to know so many things, which is, I'm like, I get like five questions that come up at once. So let's start with how, how did being an athlete shape how, where you are now, how you show up? I think
1: it's uh, it's probably the most important thing in my entire life, if I'm honest with you. Um, it gave me so much discipline and direction in my life being an athlete, and um, also gave me confidence within myself. Um, it's not that I was never like a confident guy; it's because maybe I always did sports, so it always gave me that confidence from from like a really young age. But um, it gave me, it just gave me drive, motivation, purpose. Um, and yeah, I, I, I look back on it like absolutely fondly. And to this day, it's such a big part of my life. Still, I need that exercise, uh, to kind of, you know, get my day going, to get my mind, uh, ready to get my mind clear. So, so definitely discipline. And I think it sounds kind of boring, but I think it's really important to have discipline in your life. If you want to, if you want to kind of actually get somewhere and achieve things, um, and, yeah, it just uh it just made me, yeah, just just really appreciate as well, like um people. I learned so much about people through sport, especially team sports, and um and also I think uh it gave me like a, a competitive mindset as well, which I think is important. You know, we can't we can't in this day and age we there's so much going on and um you know, so so many so many options and things like that. And, uh, you know, if you want to get ahead, you actually need to be competitive. And I'm not saying like, uh, just with other people, but with yourself as well, you must uh, want to strive for more. And I think it's given me that, you know, that competitive kind of, um, uh, not edge, but like just a way of being, I would say.
0: Mm. The original definition of competition was to strive together.
1: Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. That, what that, do you mean?
0: Yeah. What do you mean by discipline?
1: So for example, like, you know, getting up in the morning, 5am as a 14 year old to go to swimming training, that is discipline. That's given me um, a really good morning routine. I'm really now, I'm really in control of my day, um, you know, from an early age, basically. And and that has just carried on throughout my life. And I think it's so important that we start our days off right and uh, they're on our terms. Because if you're not starting your day off on your terms, then you're immediately, say, consuming information or whatever, and you're influenced by the information or whatever it is you're consuming. So um, it's that's what I mean by discipline. For me, it's given me a di- discipline in terms of my r- routine. Um, and I think that is, a, that is something really important, at least for me or my personality type. Uh, otherwise, I, I just won't be able to operate.
0: Yeah, I'm so with you on... Not getting in other people's energies first thing in the morning. How do you protect yourself from that?
1: So I don't turn my phone on for the first uh, three to four hours of the day. Um, I'll, I'll wake up. It depends. Like my my it, it's weird. My my clock I feel has shifted my my body clock a little bit. I used to be like super super early. Like I'd wake up at quarter to five, um, and hit the gym like five thirty. Um, but that was also when I was working as an investment banker. So I was like almost had to now that I'm, I've got, you know, much more flexibility in my schedule. Um, I, my, my clock seems to have shifted back a little bit. So like I wake up at six now, um, more, more than more likely, you know, that's the time I wake up, but I I definitely will not turn my phone on, uh, till, till 9am. The only, and, and only sometimes maybe I'll turn it on at eight, but that's just because I need to check like a WhatsApp message. And that's the only thing I would check. I would only, I would only check a WhatsApp message, but um, I I totally feel like um, we all need to, this is discipline. This comes to discipline once again. Do you know what I mean? And if you, if you want to, if you just want to have a clear mind and you want to have like a day that works for you, uh, you you literally have to just um, start it on in your own energy, like you said. And um, uh, as soon as you, as soon as you start consuming information, it's just, it's the end, not the end, but it's like, that's the, that's where your control kind of stops. And um, if you just think of it like this, so I think what happens with a lot of people, they'll wake up and their alarm will go off, whatever time it is. The first thing that they do is they check their phone. And when you, when you just wake up for every single person, doesn't matter who you are, no one is like, like massively happy or whatever because you're still kind of groggy, you know, and you read something. And what you read, especially if it's negative, it's extra negative because you're not in a good mood. You're kind of still waking up. And that's what sets the tone for your day. So, you know, how's it possibly going to be like great if that's what kind of, you, because then you could, and then you reply, you know what I mean? And then you, and you're replying completely in the wrong mindset. So, and that's just, that's just like snowballs sort of thing. Um, in some instances, of course, do you know what I mean? So um, I think it's just so important uh, just to yeah, start that day off on your own terms.
0: Yeah. So what do you do? I and mean, then people that are waking up and checking their phones right away are like, wait, how do you handle three hours without your phone? What are you doing during that time?
1: Uh, it's amazing. I love that time to myself. So I'll, <laughs> I'll do different things. It all depends. Um, I will always uh, try to do some form of exercise and, and that's very different these days. I used to just be a huge gym junkie. I actually used to be like a big bodybuilder. So that was my thing and I loved it and it's still awesome. But now like I try and mix it up. So I'll do um, either some yoga or uh, some running or, or go to the gym um, or even just a walk sometimes is good enough for me. But then I also like to, uh, sometimes write a little bit um there 's a thing called morning pages, which is which I find really cool um and i 'll say uh, i 'll definitely do some meditation in the morning. it depends on the length of of you know i I, don't, I mix it up and um just like also like um kind of potter around a little bit and just have some time to think and to kind of uh take in the energy of the morning you know and i 'll do things like silly things like i 'll put the dishes away. You know that I've left out to dry from the night before, and just kind of create this new clean space for the day to begin, and that's kind of my routine. And then, um, yeah, and it's just a, yeah, it, it that takes me. And then, and then when I do start working, I I generally start working at eight, to be honest with you. And what I what I will do is I always make sure in that first hour, like there's no emails or anything like that. I will work on the most difficult thing of the day, you know, or the thing that I'm like least at least want to do <laughs> you know what I mean, because when you get that done, it just kind of just makes you feel good for for yourself and you don't have this this thing that you always know you have to do that uh, you keep putting off, so I always try and do the most difficult thing um or the thing I don't want to do at the start of the day, and then come nine o'clock i 'm like, okay cool i'm ready, I'm in a good space let's hit me with whatever information you have, and I can handle it because i'm you know i'm operating on my own uh yeah on my own like sort of way and things like that
0: it sounds like you create space for yourself
1: 100% yeah i always yeah. it's so important to yeah i think we we need to create space you know create space to to think create space to accept stuff um create space to be curious and i don't know like yeah it's a um it sounds weird, but I think um, it's an important thing to actually do every single day. Um, yeah,
0: I, I'm. I don't think it sounds weird at all. <laughs> I have the same. I don't have a set time that I turn my phone on. Well, actually, and I my phone will be on. I will use my phone as an alarm. It's on airplane mode. Cool. And then I turn it off, and I sometimes use it to meditate. But other than that, I don't. I'll do a workout I'll, it's, and then eventually I'll walk my dog and then I'll write some mm. gratitude, do some journaling, and then I can handle other people's stuff. Yeah. Well, then I invite other people's stuff in.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think what you said is super important is then you, you, you're ready to handle that information coming in and you handle it so much better once you have started your day off on your terms. Um, and, and the thing that you might've read at like 6am when you first woke up now reading it at eight or 9am, you're like, oh, it's not such a big deal because you, you're in a good space. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You've come into your body and into yourself. And I think we need to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and another thing that I actually want to start exploring is actually just waking up naturally, um, just no alarms, nothing whatsoever. So I want to start exploring that a little bit more. Um, yeah, which in in the future at some point.
0: That feels really good. I did that until we moved to Florida, and well, I swim at a specific time. But then also, it gets really hot, so okay. <laughs> in the summer. So if I don't get out there and walk my dog early and start my workouts, if I'm running, a run workout has to start early.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You don't want to be training like in that heat. It just destroys you. <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. I've done it before. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I've learned that one from experience. But I do think that our body our body knows when it's done sleeping.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I actually noticed this um, when, I, when I first – I've left banking twice, right? The second time has been more successful. The first time I, I kind of failed miserably. And But the first time, I just before that, I'd, I went on a six and a half month sabbatical and I went to South America and I traveled there for the whole time, which was amazing. And what I really noticed about my sleep is my sleep, like it massively improved. And I always thought I only needed six hours sleep. I was like, I'm a six hour, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like hardcore banker bloke. <laughs> um, and, um, and then when I was on this trip, like probably two months into it, I noticed that my sleep was just getting longer because I didn't have tons to do besides go sightsee or whatever it was, you know, for for this whole trip. And uh, my, my body clock started telling me, cool, you need eight hours. And I just, and then, and then I would wake up naturally, you know what I mean? And it was so, it was fascinating. Um, And yeah, I really, I really encourage people to sleep more. I think it's the most important thing. I, I don't know if you've read a book called why we sleep by Matthew Walker, but it will it actually, it will, that book actually changed me, if I'm honest with you. Um, once I read that book, um, which was only probably two years ago, uh, I, it completely changed my sleeping pat, my patterns. Um, in terms of at that stage, I was probably still thinking I'm a six hour and that I only need six. And then I listened, first I listened to him on a podcast with Joe Rogan. And then I bought his book, and his book was a game changer for me, like literally he starts it off and he doesn't sort of like hold back at all. He starts the book off with all these things that a lack of sleep causes you like cancers and everything and blah, blah, blah. And like he, he just, he just punches. He doesn't let you, um, so he doesn't hold back. And, um, he basically, one of the things he also says, he says in America, uh, the number one, um, the number one cause of road accidents is America in America is, Uh, people uh, that have a lack of sleep and that is, that is more than people that drink drive and drug drive combined. Um, Yeah. it's Crazy statistics like that. Um, So, but the book, the book is incredible. I think you'll, you'll like it because it's quite, um, it's quite medical. It's quite sciencey as well, but at the same time he explains things really nice and it goes into all these things about dreams and, and everything as well. But just the main focus is on like why sleep is so important. And Since I read that, I promise you, um, I'll be like, I'm eight hours. I got to get them. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really important. Yeah.
0: I remember hearing, this was a few years ago, and I can't remember who did the research. But so before we lived in Florida, before I experienced Florida summer, I was a huge proponent of you don't have to work out first thing in the morning if your schedule allows. And there were, I remember hearing about these professional cyclists that they switched to sleeping until they woke up naturally and then training a little later in the day and their performance gains from that was like equal to that of taking steroids.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's almost, that's this type of stuff and the statistics he, he talks about in that book as well. Like, honestly, like you hear all these things now, like people biohacking and stuff. And I'm like, I honestly think like it's just this ridiculous fad biohacking. because some of the things are quite ridiculous in, in my mind um, and, and just like too much, you know, so, but, but if, if we just did the basics, right, it would be game changing for us as individuals, but also like, you know, as a population uh, when it comes to like world health and these sort of things. And seriously, if, if everyone just slept longer, Right, that would just be almost like the cure of so many diseases. It's incredible, like um but we don't give it enough we don't give cred uh en- sleep enough credit um and we we're in this kind of weird culture where we're like, oh yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead, and all these stupid things you know um and uh and but but there is there does seem to be a shift that's kind of changing now as well, which is cool with the more information people are sharing, the more transparency there is as well, so it seems like people are recognizing that sleep is getting, you know, is is like probably the most important thing when it comes to health.
0: I like that you say if there seems to be a shift, I'm not seeing that shift. Sometimes I feel like I'm all alone with my like, no, nine o'clock is bedtime.
1: <laughs> Bottom <That's> line.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think it also maybe it, sometimes it depends like uh, who you, who you're surrounding yourself with as well. And I think uh i 'm seeing more and more mates now taking this you know sleep thing more seriously that's for sure um and uh yeah, I guess it also depends like who you follow and these sort of things you know what i mean so i've probably shifted from the the six a m type of crew oh sorry six hour sleep type yeah. of crew to these like more holisticy type of people that are you know more interested in actual like longevity and well being and they they seem to be you know taking it super seriously.
0: Yeah, sleep is the best recovery we can get. That's physical recovery that's when our body repairs itself on every level.
1: But you know what the thing is, Kelsey, it's so obvious some of the, the signs that sleep is important. Think about when you're sick. What do you want to do? You want to sleep. When you when you've like had a bad injury, you know, like or or you're suffering from like, I don't know, some really bad illness, your body wants to sleep. And why? Because sleep is the ultimate recovery. And this is actually what it's doing every single night when, you, when you're healthy, you know, as well. So, like, that's why. It's like, this is recovery mode. Like, give, give it that extra couple of hours so you can feel even better. Um, so, it's, it's just kind of, sometimes it's so obvious, you know what I mean? But uh, we, we ignore, as humans, we sometimes just ignore these things, which, is weird, which makes us, like you said uh, on our podcast yesterday, weirdos but cool weirdos yeah. <laughs> in some level. <laughs>
0: you know when i'm sick or injured i well, when i'm sick i tend to just fall asleep anyway but when i've been injured in the past i've gone to bed like i might be uncomfortable lying in bed but i'm like come on this is how we're gonna recover like Mm. all right buddy i'm gonna fall asleep and you're gonna do you're gonna get to work Mm. start healing
1: yeah yeah for sure i mean um uh, yeah i, I just it's, it just is you, you look at um you go to hospitals and stuff and uh most of the people are asleep most of the time that's because their bodies are recovering and and that's just uh that's just why sleep is so important it's telling yeah, us all the tell- time
0: yeah go ahead it's telling no, us no, all the
1: no, time no 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 it's just like it's obvious that it is you know what i mean like all you it's just yeah that's a, yeah. it's just telling us all the time basically you know what i mean it's like if you look if you can see you like wow. Okay, cool. Sick people sleeping. Um, when I'm sick, I'm sleeping. Um, when I'm not free, like just, it's just, it's kind of there. Like it's, it's going, Oh well, this is why it's so important. You know, we're just showing it to you. So, so listen to us and yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking that the people who work in hospitals tend to be the ones who are massive, massively, massively sleep deprived.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem with hospitals is actually they, they don't encourage sleep because they have those lights and they, I think it's white lights or something. I can't remember which one, but like that just kind of keeps people awake, which is just not good really for recovery, you know, cause you effectively struggle to sleep with, with that sort of light. Um, and the people that work there, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're working shifts and shift work is like one of the, almost something like one of the biggest causes of cancer because, yeah. um, yeah, because you, you're messing up with your body clock. You know, you, you're, not, uh, the, you're not having this consistent pattern in your sleeping. And, and that's what, actually what this guy, Matthew Walker, talks about. His number one thing, his number one bit of advice for sleep is, is have a consistent sleep pattern. He says, have a, have, set an alarm to go to bed. That's what he, that's what he says. And um, that, that is his, his number one thing out of everything, which is like crazy, you know what I mean? Um, it's my is, nine o'clock yeah.
0: bedtime. That's a good
1: thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah it's 100 right. you, you you are 100 percent. you're leading the way like you know and you'll have your friends laugh at you and ridicule you and whatever but at the end of the day you will be laughing because when you're 85 and you're still doing triathlons and swimming you know 5ks a day and they're like they're the ones in the hospital you know what i mean you're the one that's that's done the right thing
0: mm. How did you get interested? So you heard that on a podcast, but how, how did you get interested in human health and is it health or is it performance?
1: Everything. I, to be honest with you, I, I, in, in South Africa, sports is huge. It's, it's like America to be honest with you, like, um, school at school, uh, you know, sports is massive. Like everyone, not everyone, like lots of people play sports and, um, So, so that, that was a big reason, but also, um, my mom was also like a really great sportsman. I mean, she was exceptional. Um, and I was just surrounded by these, these people that were, um, that were amazing. So there's a, there's a guy, his name is, um, Reg Park and he was Mr. Universe, um, three times so um reg park's son john john was actually like my mom's best friend and um i always just used to hear these stories about you know the bodybuilding and the swimming and all these sort of things so it was just it was just kind of ingrained in me as a youngster and um it never left me i was always just interested in it and um yeah it's uh i mean we're, we're just we have so much like potential you know what i mean if we if we sort of take our health and everything seriously and um, that's another reason why I've also just um, uh, taken so much interest in it. And then later on in life, even though I've like been super interested in really sporty and health conscious my my whole life, a few years ago, once again uh, when I was when I'd actually uh, just left the investment bank for the first time, I read this book called Physics of the Future. Um, and it's honestly like you read it and you're like, this is just sci-fi. It's ridiculous. But it's <laughs> because um, it's basically this guy, uh, his name is Michio Kaku. And he's, um, he's basically gone and he's interviewed the, the top 100 physicists around the world. Um, and he said, I want to write this book about what the future is going to look like. And I, but, I, but it has to be based on current experimentation that you're doing. So it, it must be realistic. And um so he wrote this fascinating book like and he did it in different like age categories or, or groups. So he said from like now it's for the next thirty years, thirty to seventy years and then seventy years and beyond. And like there was different categories. So like he spoke about health and then energy and travel and all these sort of things. And when it came to the health side of things, he started talking about longevity and lifespans and stuff. And he was saying, yeah, people are going to be living to like 150, 200 years, et cetera. As soon as I, and, and that's like in our lifetime, right? Um, and as soon as I read that, I was like, I want to be around for that. I want to be around for that technology and that medicine and whatever. And I want to be able to live older. So that's why even now in my later years, I've become even healthier. Um, because if we can stay around for longer and see all this amazing stuff, cheap why wouldn't you want to you know what I mean
0: <laughs> it's really interesting that you say that I remember and realizing a few years ago hearing some people say why would I want to live to 100 why would I want to live past 100 and I, I've always wanted to live as long as I possibly can because there's so much to see and do
1: hundred percent. I mean, I'm the exact same. And, and I know it, it's, I think it's maybe a little bit different now because people are like, well, you're going to be bored and you're going to be all these things. Cause you know, maybe your friends and that all die. Um, but when you, when you understand all the new technology that's going to come with this like longevity that we can also experience, you know, you're going to be able to like upload your consciousness and stuff. And you're going to be able to, um, yeah, you're just going to be able to experience so many other things that we can't now, that things that we can't even comprehend now. So, why would you not want to? I mean, why would you not want to like, you know, go in a autonomous car and like, uh, you know, all these cool things which are coming. And um, and uh, yeah, so so I'm I'm the same as you. Like, I, I totally want to. But I, but I also think it's it's um, the maybe the, our perspectives and outlooks on life are different to people. You know, I love life. Like, I mean, and you do too. And and this is why we want to live older. But not everyone is like us, I don't think. And and that's, those are maybe, say, the people who don't want to. Um, and uh, yeah, but also those are the people we want to encourage to kind of maybe change and get a bit excited about the future. Um, and, you know, yeah.
0: Have you always loved
1: life? yeah, one hundred percent. i mean I, I I can't remember ever not not loving it and and when i was I think I was super fortunate when I was sixteen, I was involved in a motorbike accident. I was hit head on by um a drunk driver at eighty kilometres an hour. I was on my motorbike, and um i he he just drove in front of me. he was drunk, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon, and um yeah, he didn't for some reason he just turned in front of me. And, um, I hit this guy, and I flew people said that that were that were like you know in nearby cars and wit- they were witnesses they said I flew as high as the telephone pole and about like fifty meters and um i mean they they say they don't I don't know how I was alive like it's you know it's just miraculous basically, and it was miraculous because two cars behind us was an off duty paramedic, and he fortunately had like just the things needed in his, in the boot of his car to, to keep me alive. And um, for me, that's been, um, that's been the biggest driver or one of the biggest drivers in my life to just make the most of every opportunity, you know, and it's not, it's not like, it's not like I, I guess it is intentional. Now it's intentional. You know what I mean? I understand that life can get taken from you in a split second and it's not your choice. You actually have no decision in these things. So, what's the alternative to trying to smile, trying to be good, trying to be positive, just, I don't know, meeting people, uh, all these sort of things, you know what I mean? Like, like you only have this one opportunity, as, you know, as as far as we know, in, in this sort of like body. Um, so, uh, I'm fortunate that I've had a wake-up call when I was 16 that, um, you know, life can get taken from you in a split second. So, so enjoy every other moment when you are awake and you do have control of being alive.
0: Yeah. I'm with you a hundred, hundred million percent.
1: Yeah. 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 So, so I sometimes think, you know, like these bad things that happen to you in life, they, they definitely happen for reasons and you need to, you need to learn and you need to listen uh, to them. Um, and that's why, you know, some people look at people that are, built, uh, are born with like, um, golden spoons in their mouth, you know, cause their folks are super rich and whatever. And they're like, Oh, they're so lucky. And you know, they got everything. I'm like, no, actually they're not really the lucky ones. Unless their parents are like, you know, very sort of ethical and moral and bring them up well as, as good kids. Yes. Cool. Then, they, then they are definitely lucky, but it doesn't mean just because your folks have tons of cash and you get everything you want that you're going to enjoy a good life or be a good person or be happy, all these things cause you don't learn from that. You don't learn from just getting stuff handed to you on a plate. Like you never do. I've personally, I've never learned by someone going, here you go, Gareth. Yeah. I have everything you ever want in your life. The only way I've learned is by things happening to me or like my stepdad, you know, when I was a youngster, he's like, you will go start working when you're 14 years old and um, you will learn the value of money and I'll teach you how to save and, and all these things. And, those that's how you learn. Do you know what I mean? By, by getting challenged and, um, yeah, put in your place and, uh, having things
0: happen to you. Yeah. We have to be uncomfortable to learn.
1: hundred percent.
0: And I, um, in, I had a very short career. Isn't the right word span where I did, I was a freelance writer and I did a lot of financial writing. And one of the pieces I wrote about was for, it was about lottery winners and how happy they were, I don't know, like maybe six months later, the answer is not very, Mm. like they're very unhappy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I mean, yeah, it's, it doesn't maybe seem obvious to everybody, but I can totally understand that. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it just money is money is a vehicle to, to allow you to maybe be a bit happy and to, um to get things and whatever but there's so much more to happiness than than that you know what I mean and it all it all starts inside and being comfortable with who you are as a person and that's kind of where at least for me it like all all stems from and uh money is yeah money is just this kind of like evil thing that we all kind of think we need to be happy but it's um it's not you know what I mean
0: yeah. You, I want to switch on a pivot a tiny bit. You've traveled a ton, right? Yeah. yeah. What is it that keeps you moving?
1: Keeps me traveling.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's just, I don't know. I just, I love meeting new people and hearing stories and experiencing new things i mean the world is just amazing like everything out there is just seriously incredible and i guess it's my thirst for knowledge um and my 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 interest in people and my interest in places um that kind of keeps me going uh my my girlfriend and i are actually heading off on a 6 month trip in september as well you know cuz we just we just want to go explore. There, there's so much to, so much to see and and so much to do, um, and it just I don't know. It just gets me excited. Like I just really get excited about, um, yeah, about learning. And um, it also makes you appreciate things a little bit more. expands your It expands your mind, and it, it makes you appreciate actually what you do have to, um, and where you come from. And I think it's yeah, it's it, it humbles you um and uh it it makes you realize or it makes me realize what's actually important in life because you know you can go to uh th- any third world country and like you see these people like in these little houses and whatever it is and with almost nothing but they're so happy and they and you're like wow wouldn't you like like a computer or some wifi or whatever and and then you'll be even more happy but um that's not that's not necessarily hard work. So I think there's so many lessons that you can learn from all your experiences, all the people you meet, all the things you see, and yeah, I just have a have a thirst to kind of yeah be part of that.
0: I feel like people who know me are giggling right now
1: because they're like, <laughs> Why <is that>?
0: <laughs> Kelsey? You found someone who's like you?" <laughs>
1: uh, really? Uh, cool. Well, there's there's definitely lots of us out there. I think you know what I mean. Sometimes we we lucky to find each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. Not every guest gets it, but I really want to know what your answer. What's the scariest thing you've ever done?
1: The scariest thing I've ever done. Um, what is the scariest thing I've ever done? You
0: can't get this wrong, by the way.
1: I can't get it wrong. No. You know what the scariest thing for me, like it sounds kind of weird. Um, but I, I was always, even though like I love people, I like being the center of attention, but I also hate it. (laughs) Um, but, and, and I, like, I want to be kind of known, but I also don't. Um, and, um, I, like, I, I want to talk in front of people, but I also, I also don't, you know what I mean? Um, so anyway, so the scariest thing for me, I I would probably say, so, um, I, i've always wanted to like speak more okay um but I, I get super nervous like in front of big crowds of people like from talking and um I, like i lose my breath and my voice starts going <laughs> all these sort of thing. although it's better now you know what i mean like um but so what i did is years ago i was like cool I, to overcome this i want to i want to um use my strengths okay and my strengths at the time was like uh gym and and bodybuilding because I'd just done it my whole life and I was like I'm actually going to train for a competition and I went and I did a a bodybuilding competition and um, I had to get out like on the stage in front of like hundreds of people and just in my little sort of speedos and whatever and um, but my heart was just going crazy because I was so nervous in front of like all these people but I kind of knew I needed to do it at least to take that first step to become less and less fearful about it, um, so that's probably one of the most scary things I think I've ever done. Um, it's not like massive, and and I'll probably think of like twenty other things once we finish this conversation. But that's the one that kind of stay that stands out a little bit for me now. Is like speaking in front of people, and um, yeah, were
0: getting, you even uh, speaking?
1: No, oh, no, no. There, there, there I, was- I wasn't. No, there I wasn't speaking, but I was using. I was, that was a first step, you know what I mean? To actually mm-hmm. getting in front of um, big groups of people. Um, so, so yeah, I didn't have to speak. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I would have definitely frozen up, but, um, <laughs> but uh, getting out there was, was a scary moment for me. Um, and uh but, but I'm super happy that I did it because it's, it's really helped me uh, grow and, and just get more confidence in, in front of bigger groups of people.
0: I think it's really cool. I love the answers to this question because as we've been talking, you've told us about how, I mean, you left South Africa and came to London when you were 18. And then, so you worked in banking for 18 years, but then you quit. You left it to go out on your own. And then you traveled to far off places. Those are all things that scare people a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're saying no standing on the stage in the Speedo, that's the scariest thing I've ever done. I think it's just really important to recognize that.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. I mean, I think the, I guess the lesson is in that is that every one of us are so different, you know what I mean? And we really need to acknowledge that. So if someone says they're scared of doing something and it makes no sense to you and you say, Oh, you're just the, you're just a wimp or whatever the story is like you are actually just being really disrespectful and hurting of that person because that is something that really scares them. And, um, You know, like for example, my stepmom she hates heights. Like honestly, like petrified of them. And I, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, what are you worried about? Like, do you know what I mean? That sort of thing. But we have to be conscious. That's just one example. Like my my uh, girlfriend, she she doesn't like to jump and these sort of things. She gets like nervous jumping, like from like you know, even if it's like maybe a meter step, whatever. And I'm like, no like it's fine. What are you talking about? This is a little thing, but, but everyone has their own intricacies and things and we really need to be conscious of this and um, understanding, you know, cause it's um, we, we can actually, we can really destroy them or we can really help them depending on how we react to those situations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that compassionate approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it, it's, it's weird. It's been this uh, for me personally, I, 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 I definitely, I have always been like quite an emotional guy, um, but maybe not massively compassionate. But my compassionate uh, levels, or whatever you want to call it, has like hugely increased over time. Like just the more, the more I kind of started understanding people and, and these sort of things. And I think there's nothing more powerful than than being like compassionate, um, because that empowers other people when you're compassionate. You know. Like you're just like you're like, I, I see you, I, I hear you, um it's okay, let's let's maybe not do it. that's cool, um or, here's my hand, let me help you, and um that is empowering, and that's what we need to do more of. We need to empower people, uh, we need to empower each other, um, and uh yeah, just I mean, isn't it obvious in a way, <laughs> but we don't we don't do it, which is kind of sad, and um yeah, hmm.
0: That was so well said. <laughs> what does it feel like for you being more compassionate?
1: Um I think I mean now it kind of just feels normal but it's you get you get reciprocation in in a way, you know, people I, I think they they kind of look at you a little bit differently. Um and yeah, I just I don't know, I just feel better when I when I react that way. Rather than like going, oh, you, you're just scared, you stupid person, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you, it, it, I, I feel so much better um, because I can see that the other person, you know, just feels more comfortable. So um, it definitely like fills up some sort of bucket in me that, um, yeah, just just it kind of just puts a smile on my face just to be nice, like and, and kind, like, like I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've definitely got softer in my years, and I just think it's a uh, it's so much nicer to be kinder, and uh, the results are so much better when you like that. And um, I think maybe also maybe also I saw too much of this like ego egoism and and uh, aggressiveness and these sort of things my whole life maybe in my career and stuff and it never got anywhere. It never got like you know what I mean. It never resolved issues, um, and it always like snowballed into other things. And I, and you know, so I don't know when it was, but at some point I just twigged. I was like, well, this is not the way to resolve things. You know, when it comes to people or uh, interactions or whatever the story is, let's kind of switch that up a little bit. And yeah, it just works so much better. If you want a good outcome, just be a little bit more compassionate. It's seriously, it changes things.
0: What does compassion feel like in your body?
1: Feel like in my body? Um... I don't know. It's just a smile, I guess. That's, that's what it feels like. I can, it's like this, just this little extra little bit of energy that that comes and I can feel that people are maybe taken aback when you like that and you're like, yeah, that's the way it should be. And um, yeah, it's just a, uh, it's just this little, I don't know, a little bit of a, an extra little fire in me.
0: When you were talking about it, when you were describing compassion, I felt a bit of expansiveness and that yeah. same spaciousness that I felt when you were talking about creating space for yourself in the morning. Mm.
1: Yeah. And I think um, that's cool. It's, it's nice to hear that. And I think that's important. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, to me that's expansiveness is the same as like empowerment. You know what I mean? And you, you, if you give someone that compassion, you give them that that empowerment like to kind of just be free and comfortable to actually uh just do what feels right for them and um you know expansiveness as well like it's the two are like nicely linked you know because then they're like oh wow okay cool i can go and do this or it's okay if our feelings are like this and and that's important you know just making other people feel good i think is important
0: yeah As we wrap up here, what have you, what haven't you said yet? What do you need to say to the world?
1: Um, I think I want the world and everyone to open up their minds a little bit more um, to understand that there's so many different ways of doing things and there's so many right ways of doing things. Um, We mustn't become... Isolated in our own thoughts and thinking that this is this is the way things are. The more we find out, the more we realise that um, that there is to know, and um, therefore we need to really take each other's perspectives or listen to each other more and um, understand where people are coming from. Listen to their worldviews because they actually might be right. You might be wrong, and it's important to be challenged in your thinking and. I think if we can do that, then that's really, really going to help us each as like individuals, as nations, as whatever, just to, to, it allows us to understand each other that little bit more. So seek to be challenged in your thinking, listen and give other people time to kind of, you know, have the stage and and say what they want and uh, just, yeah, ask some more questions if it doesn't make sense. And only then give your thoughts, but don't, you don't have to give advice. You can just give your thoughts and then you just leave it there. Everyone's kind of had their say and um, you'll take what you want and they'll take what they want. And yeah, you'll just kind of be, I guess that little bit more enlightened in terms of how other people think and feel.
0: Yeah, it sounds very much like a, as, as you're talking there at the end, it's like picturing, we're just giving gifts the gift of listening, the gift of sharing our ideas, the gift of opening and inviting others to share their ideas and then taking what we need.
1: Yeah. We, we, we have, we have so much to learn from each other. It's incredible. Like I, um, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at like, um, how people kind of don't believe in themselves enough and their own stories. And I mean, I'm the same as you. I work as a coach and I see so much like amazing potential in people um, that they can't necessarily see themselves. And I would love more people to kind of realize that it doesn't matter how weird you are or what intricacies you have as a person, uh, you have like serious like magic to share and you, you, or your story, or whatever, is interesting to somebody else, and it's probably not just one person; it's probably a thousand people. And um, if we can sort of all start finding those other people that kind of um, find us interesting and uh, want to listen to us, then um, that's uh, that's going to make our own lives a little bit uh, a little bit easier for ourselves, and build up our self confidence, give us a little bit more courage, and then kind of the world's your oyster.
0: Mm. Well said. Gareth, where can people find you, learn more about you, listen to your podcast, work with you, all the things?
1: Yeah, cool. So, I mean, the, the two main things that um, that I do are my coaching. And so my website is uh, garethmartin.net and then the podcast is uh, ridiculouslyhuman.com. And basically everything, you know, I'm on all the uh, social medias and whatever. And, uh, I guess the best uh, Facebook is my favorite, probably I'm an old school bloke (laughs) and, um, and yeah, just whatever, drop me an email, whatever, all my information is on the website and stuff. So, and I, and I love to, I just love to hear from people, even if you want to just have a chat or whatever the story is, that's cool with me. And, um, yeah, please get in touch.
0: Love it. And I've been binging on your podcast today. Oh Cool. Really okay
1: cool. cool thanks thank you, thank you so <laughs> cool. much Gareth. no thank you it's it's amazing, so thank you for having me, Kelsey on your show it's um yeah you, you you have a great way of um of like asking a question and then just like leaving it there and like, okay, cool, I must go deep on this one, which is really cool um and um I really really enjoyed that and um, you know you, you just brought a nice like smile and energy to the chat which is really really cool so thanks for making it so easy and enjoyable and um, yeah just for being such a great lady
0: well you're welcome thank you so much I'm looking forward to whatever is next for us your, yeah I like your story I like your vibe
1: yeah definitely yeah likewise that's cool
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group. Find your awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, KelseyAbbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it. If you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the find your awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.